Welcome everyone to the Score Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Boone. Great to have you with us as we get ready for really the biggest fantasy draft weeks of the year. Certainly one of the most exciting times on the fantasy calendar. And it's always one of the most exciting times when we have on today's guest, Sigmund Bloom of Football Guys. One of my absolute favorite people in the industry. Let's get him in here. Sig, welcome back to the show. I always appreciate you carving out time for us, especially during these very busy weeks. How you been, man? What's your mindset like yeah. as we get ready for another NFL season here? I mean, my mindset is a gratitude to all the people out there that play fantasy football and allow us to do this as a job and may we continue to have the privilege to serve and uh, just ready for some real football. I think we can see that preseason has changed. We're not learning quite as much as we used to in the preseason. We are learning some things and really the big reveal in week one is more important to react to, I think, in some ways, than getting your draft right. It's understanding, getting your brain limber for all the possibilities so we understand how to contextualize and know the meaning of what we observe those first few weeks. And we're one of those fantasy players that is willing to act based on what we've seen instead of being reluctant and saying, I need more evidence. If you wait until week four or week five, it's already too late. So we need to understand these teams, understand these players, understand the range of outcomes, understand the momentum from camp and preseason, make our best guesses during the draft, know that they are guesses, and then be ready to change our course as soon as we get new information. I also find it funny, like during the summer, really during the entire off season, it kind of feels like there's a pendulum where analysts like a player and then we talk them up and then the ADP rises right. and then it gets to a point where that player now is too pricey. So we have to pull back. We head in the other direction. We advise people to do the same. And then the cost comes down for that player. Yep. And then we have to reverse course again, right? Exactly. It just kind of keeps going back and forth. Yeah. We're playing against the field in some ways, like uh, what's it called? Paramutual betting. I think with when you're at the track and you're not really betting against uh, the odds set by something Las Vegas wise you're betting against everybody else and you, it's not so much about being exactly right it's about knowing what the best bets are going against what everybody else is doing so you can say is this player someone that you want to draft and the answer is well wh what's the adp how much do exactly. they cost and i think as we see the market as we see the fantasy football hive mind absorb the developments of preseason and training camp, like you said, Justin, a value can now become a player who's overpriced. A player that was overpriced then becomes a value as people react to injury news, as people react to players signing like Dalvin Cook and Ezekiel Elliott and so on. So I, I think it's, again, it's important to stay agile and limber and not too set in your ways. Uh, that being said, there are a lot of things coming out of the last few weeks that are actionable. Yeah, I find that it, in the preseason, we're seeing a lot of the players that are going in the late rounds. They're getting the the playing time during August, and they're the ones that we're learning the most about. Often, in case that's the rookies too. Yeah. So, on today's show, we're going to talk about our favorite late round players to target at each position. Before we get to that, though, I'm curious what your biggest takeaway is from the preseason so far. It's been two weeks, two weeks, yeah. and the Hall of Fame game, I guess, but you know, we get that onslaught of information that we're talking about. We're trying not to overreact. We're also trying not to underreact. Right. So what's the biggest takeaway for you through the first two weeks here? Well, you mentioned rookies, and that, that would be an easy answer. And we'll talk some more about some rookies when we go through our favorite late-round targets. But certainly, the biggest fantasy takeaway almost every preseason is which rookies are ready to play. 
and we could talk about individual guys. I mean, there's some guys standing out, Zay Flowers, for instance, uh, that running back guys like Tank Bigsby and Tajay Spears, you know, these guys, Zach Charbonnet, these guys seem ready to roll. But the biggest overall takeaway, I'd say, from the preseason is learning about backfields, learning about how these backfields are going to be split up, or at the very best, our best guess at how they're going to be initially. Let's remember this. We work hard to try to figure out where these offenses are going to start at. Maybe not where they are in week six or week 14, but where they are in week one. And I think some of the biggest takeaways in terms of backfield clarity, it looks like Damian Pierce in Houston is going to be an every down back where he was not one last year. He is, I think, running back 11 or 12 on my board. I think he's probably worth about a third-round pick. He's been a fifth or sixth-round pick, and this goes back to what we were just talking about. Now, will he start to come up to the point where he is a third-round pick? Uh, Then is he overvalued? I know if you have a pick in the second half of the third round, you might not be that happy with your options. You might look at the options available in the third round at wide receiver running back, and they might look the same as the options available in the fifth round. Maybe Damian Pierce is someone you can go to. James Cook looks like he's going to be the every-down back for the Bills, and he's way cheaper than an every down back in a Bills like offense, that good of an offense. Yeah. Uh, now, again, will he start to come up to the fifth, sixth round? Even there, that's an interesting chance to take just because maybe last year they were easing him in. It wasn't like his rookie year was a disappointment if you look at his efficiency numbers. The last one I'll point out is Khalil Herbert. We had some questions about Chicago's backfield. Rashawn Johnson, another rookie, looks pretty good. Certainly the number two there ahead of Dante Foreman. But Herbert was the clear first running back on the depth chart. He's going to be given that chance to take over that backfield. He was going in the ninth or 10th round. He's going to start moving up. But again, just because these guys are moving up, last year it was Damian Pierce moving up, and he still ended up being a solid value. He's going to be an even better situation. So I think he's one of the biggest winners if there is the uh, biggest winner of the preseason, he might be it. Well, let's talk about one more backfield here because we got a piece of news this week that the Colts are actually caving. They've told Jonathan Taylor he could seek a trade. This couldn't just impact the Colts. Maybe this impacts one of yeah. these other backfields, maybe yeah. even the Bears. I've seen people throw them out. Sure. The Bills, right? He could end up anywhere if he does get traded. So yeah. it's a big step away from where they were a week ago with all of this when they said there was no chance they were going to move him. So what do you think about that situation yeah. and – is it changing your approach for Taylor in fantasy drafts, where he's going? I've seen, you know, late second, sometimes even into the third. Right. If he ends up on another team, he might actually be more valuable this exactly. season. Exactly. Almost certainly will be more valuable. And I think that's the thing, right? The biggest news here is, no matter how you cut it, it's more likely he's going to get traded now. Now, maybe, Justin, maybe that means it was 1% likely, and now it's 3% likely. Yeah. Okay? But it's more likely. Uh, it also gives us maybe uh, we're guessing we're doing a lot of guessing in this. We're always peeking through keyholes, I like to say, with the NFL. But we've been hearing that he's uh, still recovering from his ankle surgery. Now, this was a minor ankle surgery, a debridement. He should have been fully back. Is it possible that he's having some trouble and may even have to have another ankle surgery? That would be consistent if this is all just straight up. Is he using the ankle as an excuse to stay away from the team and say, hey, I'm not going to risk anything for this team that's not willing to commit to me? Well, this seems more likely now in light of this news. This is news that would be consistent with, I'm not saying this is what's happening, but it would be consistent with uh, an internal evaluation that the relationship is broken. The relationship cannot be mended. And at that point now, you're willing to trade him. Now, publicly, publicly, 
the Colts are saying we want a first round pick or at least a combination of picks worth a first round pick for Jonathan Taylor, which is funny when you consider that they're not willing to commit to this player long term, <laughs> but they do expect another team to give up some pretty uh, important draft capital to get him. Uh, now, is that public posturing to try to get the best possible deal? There hasn't been any teams to have their starter go down and be in distress in their backfield yet. There's no teams that had a plan for their backfield and realized they're in trouble. So I don't know if that's just an opening position. And I think internally there are other teams. And look, the teams have been talking about this for a while. Jonathan Taylor asked to be traded well before it was reported in the media. So teams might be aware of this already, but certainly, like you said, teams in a Super Bowl window, Buffalo, Kansas City, uh, these teams, even Cincinnati, they don't have a clear backup running back, right? Teams in a Super Bowl window have to look at this. If they can give up a second day pick and get a talent like Taylor, and let's worry about the contract next year. Let's worry about the contract after the season. That makes a lot of sense. Miami, another team trying to climb up. They've already been mentioned. They were connected to uh, Dalvin Cook. They are another team that is a possibility. So we should have an open mind of teams that might get in on Jonathan Taylor if the cost is a second-day pick. And then Taylor is a much more attractive fantasy player with a team that wants him and a team that he's willing to play for. Because that's the other thing. We're looking at a potential Le'Veon Bell situation. And I think this is going to be one to watch during the season, Justin, whether it's Saquon Barkley or Josh Jacobs or J.K. Dobbins. Are these running backs that aren't happy with their situation, when they get a minor injury, are they going to play through it? Are they going to play when they're questionable? I don't know. This is something we're going to learn about as this depressed running back market is making fantasy players depressed. And it seems like we saw that blueprint from Lamar Jackson last year where it's, you know, I'm not going to rush back for a team that's not willing to pay me what I, I think I deserve. So that definitely could be the case. And the weird part here is you could be right on some of your takes and then all of a sudden you end up being wrong for no fault of your own. Right. And the Taylor situation is a perfect example of that where you could have a backfield, let's say a Damian Pierce. I don't think the Texans are going to go out and get Taylor, but you could have a guy like Damian Pierce where you think he's on the verge of a breakout season and all of a sudden that gets blown up by his team going out and trading for an even better running back in Taylor. I think in Seattle, there's a situation like that with Jackson Smith and Jigba where everything that we've heard has been, he is phenomenal. He looks fantastic. He is going to be an impact player right away. And now he injures his wrist. He has to have surgery and could they're saying they're hopeful that he'll be back week one. seems like he might miss some time early in the season. So I'm curious where you're at with him. Are you moving anybody in that passing attack up or down based on this news? And how do you think fantasy managers should be approaching it? It's basically unchanged. And it's unchanged because of how I felt about the cost of these receivers before this injury. Uh, The reports are he should be back maybe week one early in the season. And Seattle, we don't always get reliable injury news from them, but let's go ahead and rely on that. Smith and Jigba was already overpriced, okay? Because, and I get it, he was the first wide receiver off the board, but he was often the first wide receiver, rookie wide receiver off the board in redraft leagues, and he doesn't have the clearest path to value. I think that's definitely Zay Flowers, and even Jordan Addison, I think, has a clearer path to value right now than Smith and Jigba because he is with two very established receivers in Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. So he was already overpriced. Now, if Smith and Jigba starts to fall to the ninth, 10th, 11th round where he's a bench pick and not your third wide receiver where he was going, say, in the 6th round or 7th round, now I'm more interested. So let's wait and see on that. DK Metcalf going in the 3rd round, I just don't think it's worth it. 
Now, granted, like I said, second half of the third round, you're probably going to have to take a player that's not worth it. You know, Jerry, Judy, DK, uh, DJ Moore. You're going to have to take Drake London, uh, an aspirational pick, a pick maybe that you would be happier taking in the fourth round. But even DK Metcalf in the fourth round seems a little rich to me because he was outscored by over a point per game, I believe, uh, by Tyler Lockett, his teammate, who's going two rounds later. So I think the answer is still Tyler Lockett. And maybe this moves Tyler Lockett's ADP up a little bit, makes him less of a value. But I just think that as long as you can wait and take Lockett, even if this could boost Metcalf a little bit early in the season, if you're taking a Seattle receiver, it's got to be Lockett. All right, let's get into the late round targets. And I know people always love to find the diamonds in the rough. I'm considering the late rounds to be round 10 or later. So we can go position by position here. I will let you start us off. Who is your favorite late round quarterback to target in 2023? And let's assume Anthony Richardson's not a late round guy anymore. Okay, I was going to do the same. I know I I looked at it and I felt the same way. And let's assume Daniel Jones isn't either. Let's just assume that Daniel Jones doesn't qualify for this question, but he's a a slam dunk if he does. Going a little bit deeper, not as deep, I would say Jared Goff is someone we have to look at. Remember, Amon Ross St. Brown was uh, tackled inside the five like five times. Uh, Jamal Williams getting all those rushing touchdowns. Maybe some of those are passing touchdowns. Plus, the offense could be even better this year. Uh, Going even deeper than that, Kenny Pickett, everything around the Pittsburgh offense is positive. Desmond Ritter, uh, Atlanta's offense is going to set him up for success, and he's a good runner. So if we're going even deeper, these guys look like they could outproduce. Even Sam Howell has got some momentum now. If that offensive line holds up, he's got some rushing ability. So as usual, even though there's a good reason to take quarterbacks in the top six, certainly Anthony Richardson, Jones, like top 10, top 12, you can get away with it if some of these guys hit outside of the top 15 or top 20. Yeah, for me, I would go back to the last question and I would say, you know, if you're not sure who to take in that Seattle receiving core, you go with Geno Smith, right? Last year finished as a QB one. Now he's going off the board as I think the QB 14 or 15. In my rankings, I'm as the QB 10. So I think he seems like a great value and he's insulated now. We're seeing it right away. If one of the receivers gets hurt, he's still got two amazing receivers out there. He can continue to produce. So I really like him this year. Uh, We'll keep moving along. Let's get to running backs. And this is often like the money position for late round guys because they can return the most value. You have injuries, you have poor play, and that clears a path for them. So if you're trying to grab a a late round running back, who's the one that Sigma Bloom wants to roster? Priority guys. And I'm assuming, again, I'm assuming Zach Charbonnet is going in the top 10 rounds. I'm assuming Samaje P. Ryan's going in the top 10 rounds. Priority guys usually going outside of the top 10 rounds. Kenneth Gainwell. And even though this is going to be a four-headed backfield, he's the one most likely to stay healthy, and he's the one that the coaches trust the most. Tajay Spears, sensational preseason, uh, third down back, change of pace. If Derrick Henry breaks down, just there's a lot of good there. Tank Bigsby, another rookie for Jacksonville, should be short yardage back and work into the passing game. Could really turn this into a committee pretty quickly. Uh, And Jalen Warren, who may not be uh, outside of the top 10 rounds now that he had that long touchdown, the classic long touchdown in the preseason. But I think this is closer to a 50-50 committee than we want to believe or than the Steelers even are portraying. And again, this is one of those situations where, yeah, the Steelers may come out week one and want to give Najee Harris 65%, 70% of the backfield. But if Jalen Warren continues to show that he's more explosive, that he's more likely to be able to break a big play, they have to take care of that. Let's mention Evan Hall really quick. Uh, He's probably the best running back on the Colts roster other than Jonathan Taylor right now with Zach Moss banged up. So if Jonathan Taylor's traded, 
that could be a huge hit for us. Yeah, I wonder if we'll see a running back come back in that trade. I know a lot of people looking at some of the options there. A lot of those teams have deep backfields, whether it's Miami or Chicago. Somebody could send a running back back the other way, and we could see that player. Or the Colts could go out and you know make an offer to Leonard Fournette or Kareem Hunt, yeah. and maybe those guys end up there too. So a lot of changes. I don't even have to add anything here. Tajay Spears was mine. I can't believe how late he's going. Um, and as a guy you mentioned, just you know, so explosive in this preseason, all those concerns around the draft about the the knees. I think that's more of a long term career issue and right. not so much a year one thing. And if something happens to Henry, you know, Henry turns thirty in January. He's getting to that point where him breaking down, the odds of it happening are increasing. You know, maybe it'll never happen. You never know with Derrick right. Henry, but. Uh, yeah, if Tajay Spears does get a chance, he'll start off as a change of pace guy. And if he does by any chance get starter snaps, man, he could be a, a big difference maker this season. We'll jump over to receivers next. We'll keep it going. You're doing a, a fantastic job of kind of breaking down all the yeah. options here. Uh, do you have a favorite late round wideout who you're willing to share with everybody? You know, the degree of difficulty is a little bit higher on this one, trying to find that late round receiver that can really blow up. But who's that guy for you this year? Yeah, and I look, I don't have... And I'm gonna I'm gonna try to be again a little more comprehensive simply because I think that it's easy to say go and get this guy in your draft, but somebody else might be listening or somebody else. I mean, we're all looking at the same information. There's not an information edge anymore. It's more like relying True. on your your intuition and and your experience. Um, the number one guy, the first name that pops into my head to answer that question is DJ Chark. He's he's so talented and. We'll see about Bryce Young. We'll see about Carolina's offensive line, but he's going to be their top deep threat. Uh, Deuce Staley recruited him after Deuce came down from Detroit to be the assistant head coach and running back coach for Carolina. They have a good coaching staff there, and he had an ankle foot surgery. He's had some injury issues. They hope that that surgery is going to clear up those issues, so I, I think he's an easy call. But some of the other ones you should be looking at, Zay Jones, uh, and this is one where what do we learn from the preseason? At least we learned some things about usage. And Zay Jones was the receiver, second receiver, not Christian Kirk. Christian Kirk looks like he's the third receiver. And Christian Kirk is still a better pick for fantasy, but maybe not quite as good as ADP indicates. And Zay Jones maybe should be higher. I uh, like KJ Osborne. This is another one of those situations where we automatically want to put Jordan Addison in the starting lineup as the first round pick. K.J. Osborne is still pretty good. He had a great December last year. He finished strong. I think as of this moment, he's holding off Jordan Addison. Now, things change pretty quickly in the beginning of the year. Uh, I like Van Jefferson for the Rams. He's the clear number two. Remember, Cooper Cup's a little banged up with that hamstring. Everything points to Cooper Cup being okay for week one, but their hamstring injuries, they can have recurrence, aggravation. Um, Rashid Shahid, this is breaking one of my rules, Justin. I don't like to draft injured players. You know, here's a really simple way to avoid problems. Don't draft anybody who's already hurt, okay? He's already hurt, but he's late. Um, Michael Thomas, the reports are pretty mixed out of, I'm down here in New Orleans. They're just, the team is telling us. They're saying, we don't need him to be old Michael Thomas. Okay, he's not going to be old Michael Thomas, you know? So, if and if he is, well, old Michael Thomas in the sense that he, gives out and it's done for the season and never <laughs> returns. Rashid Shahid was fantastic. I think he had 28 for 480 or so on 34 targets last year. So what happens when he starts to get more targets? It's one of the reasons I'm 
making him one of my late round wide receivers. I'll throw one more name out there, maybe a little bit higher up, a little closer to that borderline cutoff that we're making, but uh, Nico Collins, you know, it's pretty rare that you're going to get a guy that could potentially be the number one in his offense, but right now he tends to go in the 10th, 11th round. Last year he had the foot injury that put him on injured reserve late in the season, but he had at least 40 yards in seven of his 10 outings and that's what he was dealing with really bad quarterback play. He was in one of the worst passing attacks in the league this year. Yes, the jury's still out on CJ Stroud, but I would say that I feel more confident in him actually developing into a quality option for the Texans. So that could lift the passing attack and lift Collins' outlook. And in the end, you know, this might be a balanced passing game where they spread the ball around and nobody really becomes a, a big fantasy star. But the beat writers seem to have identified Collins as Shroud's number one receiver. And in the 10th or 11th, I mean, yeah. if you're getting a guy that at least has a path to become that, it's kind of like we talked about with the running backs. There's a difference between a guy like Taji Spears who would need an injury and maybe some guys like a Kenneth Gainwell or even Roshan Johnson who they could just win that job along the way on their own, right? They could come out and, and have a big role and they don't necessarily need that injury to happen in front of them. So we'll talk about our, our favorite late round tight ends here and, you know, in the interest of time, We'll do the the defenses and kickers as a rapid fire section at the end. But at tight end, it can be very important to find a late round guy because if you miss out on one of the elite guys and then you don't get anybody in that Darren Waller, Kyle Pitts range, I tend to just go late round with it. So if people do that, who should they invest in? Yeah, and the good news is there's a lot of options. Uh, leading the way are the rookies. And 10th round or later, I'm assuming if you're not going off the board as one of the top 10 tight ends, then you're not in the top 10 rounds. So there are three rookies. There's Dalton Kincaid, usually the first one out of Buffalo. He's had a good summer. He looks like he's the tight end one, and that includes being um, at least a part-time slot receiver for them. They drafted him for his receiving ability. Likewise with Sam Laporta for Detroit, who has been a first-team tight end from the get-go, from the beginning of training camp, that tells you how much they like him. And this is an offense that is highly efficient and productive. He doesn't need as many opportunities as a wide a tight end in another offense might need, like, say, Luke Musgrave. Luke Musgrave, second-round pick of Green Bay, maybe the most physically talented tight end in this draft as far as his gifts. And he sounds like he's ready for prime time. He's already someone that's probably going to play 70, 80% of the snaps. Now, this isn't going to be as high voltage of a pass offense as a Detroit, as a Buffalo offense. But if you have that chemistry with Jordan Love, a first-time quarterback starter, then that could result in something. Outside of the rookies, I would say, I mean, you know, another obvious name is uh Chigosium Okonkwo, who I think got banged up in practice today. I'm dating the podcast by saying that. So That's okay. But, but he was so much better than anyone expected last year. And if he does that again, this is better than expected this year when people expect him already to take another step, then that could be something. And then I'm going to bring up an oldie but goodie. And this is really my answer. You know, you, you put it in the, the questions, who's your favorite, right? Just the word favorite. It's I'm a curious nice, who it's going to be. It's a nice subjective word. How about Taysom Hill? Why not Taysom Hill? Right. Yeah, it's very boomer bust, but I mean, right. at the tight end position, why not? Why not? He's basically a short yardage running back for this team. Okay, uh, especially the first few weeks. And look, it's all about if you're taking a late round tight end, it's all about getting off to that hot start. So uh, he could be the goal line back more, even more likely in the first few weeks with Alvin Kamara out. He can catch some passes. He can throw some passes. He was a top ten, top twelve fantasy tight end last year. That's without Sean Payton there as his pet project. So. When in doubt, 
put in Taysom Hill. And you hit on it. For me, it was the rookies, but you did a great job breaking them all down there. And then, as I said earlier, we'll go quick, just rapid fire style. You can give a little context if you want, but we'll try to go fast. If you wait until the last round or two, which I recommend doing, although to be honest, in most drafts, I don't even take a defense and kicker. I grab an extra couple running backs and hope that something happens along the way before the season where they gain value, which there's still some situations like, uh, you know, Zamir White or something you could get. And maybe Josh Jacobs goes against reports and doesn't show up. But if you do wait until those last couple rounds, which defense and kicker are you grabbing? Yeah, I'm going to second what you said, too. Know your rules. If there is a waiver wire run before the season starts, don't draft a kicker. Don't draft a defense. If you need to draft one, wait until the last round. I like Jason Myers. I like Jason Sanders down in Miami. I like Myers in Seattle. Um, Kaimi Fairbairn with Houston. You know, we're looking at offenses that are going to maybe settle for field goals here with him, with Chad Ryland, a rookie kicker. New England should beat out Nick Folk, who could get a chance to kick somewhere else. Another rookie, Jake Moody in San Francisco, had a little trouble with his start, but they spent a third-round pick on him. He's going to win the job. So don't worry. There are plenty of options if you wait until the last round of kicker. Yeah. And there's also actually like some uh, competition still going on. We have with the Chargers, right? You have right. between a Cam Dicker, Dicker and the Dustin kicker. Hopkins. Yeah. And, and they both put up great stats when they were yeah. out there. And Dicker, to me right now, it seems like it's leaning in his favor. Yeah. He's the one that I've actually taken shots on in some of the leagues where you have to take a kicker. But last year, you look from week nine on when he was out there, he was a top 10 fantasy kicker. And that offense we love. I mean, he's definitely a guy. What about a, a defense? A defense, you're looking at the first week. You're looking at week one, and then you're going to stream. And, th- and what I mean by that is you're willing, you're playing matchups. I think we figured out over the years that it's more important who your defense is playing than whether your defense is any good. New Orleans is my first choice here. They're playing Tennessee at home. They also get Carolina rookie quarterback in week two. Minnesota is going to get Baker Mayfield. Baltimore is going to get CJ Stroud. These are all defenses going outside of the top six or eight. Atlanta is going to start with Bryce Young and then get Jordan Love. Denver is going to get Jimmy Garoppolo and then Sam Howell. Washington is going to get whoever Arizona starts. I don't even know what that's going to be. And then Chicago is going to start out at home against Jordan Love, and then they're going to go down to Tampa and play Baker Mayfield. So New Orleans would be my first choice. And then in no particular order, probably Baltimore would be my second choice. But Minnesota, Atlanta, Denver, Washington, Chicago, any of these will do. Yeah, and if you simplify it when you're streaming defenses, what I look for is a home team that's a big favorite. And, you know, the commanders for me was the one that kind of stood out there going against that Cardinals offense, I should say, early in the season. Uh, I think they would be a a great choice. But that is all for today's show. Make sure you're checking out Sigmund's work over at Football Guys. Make sure you're following him on X slash Twitter, at Sigmund Bloom. Listening to the Audible podcast, especially his On the Couch show. Always a great one there. And Sig, you're the best, brother. I mean, I appreciate you doing this with us again. Is there anything that you're working on right now? Anything that I'm not mentioning here that maybe you want to direct people towards before we go? Oh, no, just uh, everything fantasy football. I'm going reformatting my rankings, putting out new tiers. I'm going to put up my last uh, 250, top 250. Uh, we've got all kinds of good things going on on our shows, on on the Audible. And uh, it's just, it's a, it's a wonderful time. Instead of feeling like, you know, we don't have a life and we're obsessing about unimportant things. <laughs> there's plenty of people who say, no, right now, at least it is very important to me. Yeah. I joked that sometimes it feels this time of year, like you're standing at the bottom of the mountain looking to climb, but a yeah. lot of people love mountain climbing. I love exactly. mountain climbing. Let's do it. Right. The Let's journey. go for it. Yeah, exactly. And enjoy it along the way. Uh, as for me, I'll be back with one more episode later this week, but until then, big thanks again to Sigmund. Big thanks to everybody out there for listening. See you next time. Said leave on time, my baby. Said leave on time. Leave on time.
leave on time with me tonight. I said leave on time.